Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. What's up, enterprisers? Welcome to another episode of the Enterprise Now podcast, where we shape the mindset of the high achiever to think like an entrepreneur. We talk with masters of the craft to get the cheat codes to success, helping elite enterprisers level up and maximize their brand. I'm your host, LZ, the mayor. Now let's get to it. What's up? What's up, Enterprisers? Welcome to another episode of the Enterprise Now Show. This is a special exclusive episode. Like three weeks ago, this wasn't happening. And then now it is mainly because I tell people this all the time. One of the reasons I'm on this planet is to help people get to where they want to go and to highlight other people. Like that's why I wake up in the morning. That's why I do what I do. So having said all that, I have with me Michelle Lyles and Paul O'Neill, and we're going to talk about some of the fantastic things that they have going on. It's a quite an interesting story because I love to see how paths cross in the intersectionality on things like vision, hope, and perseverance, all those things, how they come together and then our lives touch because the chances of two people meeting, I don't, I'm not a scientist anymore. I'm recovered, but it's very unlikely that is by happenstance. So I believe that things happen for a reason. And so their cross paths crossed and they're here today to kind of talk about that cross section, intersection, and what it means for them in their individual businesses and in their individual lives. So having said all that, Michelle, Paul, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. So this is a little bit different. Generally, when I'm interviewing people, 90% of it is virtual. So I'm talking to a computer screen. And then the 10% that's in person is only one person. So I get the pleasure of doing this with two people. So here's how we're going to rock. We're going to do talk about you, your story, how you got uh, here today a little bit. And then we'll talk to Paul. And then if I do my job effectively, it'll seem like just a flowing conversation between three people who are meeting at a coffee shop. How's that? Yeah. So, Michelle, let's let's start with you. You were actually on the show before, and we talked about your journey. We talked about your business. We spent a lot of time talking about the tools that you developed over your tour of of different (laughs) organizations. Yeah. It is it is a really interesting story. So, folks, if you want to hear that, you can check out that episode. We'll put that episode in the show notes for you. Um, But today, what I really want to focus on is ITA. And the hydroponics, how that come into the mix, <laughs> and how do you meet Paul? Absolutely. So ITA, when we spoke last time, I was just getting started with ITA. It was kind of making its transition from being on paper as an idea to really getting itself in the works. So fast forward, I think six or seven months later, really preparing for a launch uh, in two months and working on a team, all of those things. So it's real, right? I think 
with ITA, I saw my momentum moving forward of being an entrepreneur in this startup space in a new niche market of working and living internationally and helping find the connections through those particular employers and employees so that everybody really got the best out of their time here. Like, on earth, right? I, I don't want to ever get stuck in a space where, you know, I feel stuck in a job or I feel stuck in a particular career and it's very one dimensional because as people, we're just not. And even considering that for myself and, and the momentum that I had for ITA, I moved away from Milwaukee. I came back. I live in my same neighborhood that I grew up in. And a lot of those things didn't change, right? And I, I have been thinking about what can I do to really impact my community in a positive way. As I mentioned, I had gone to college. I had worked for these Fortune 500 companies, but my neighborhood looks exactly the same, right? So how can I contribute to that? And around the same time, I had gotten back into gardening. I started gardening again in 2016. And at this point, it was with soil. Around COVID time, I transitioned into hydroponics, which is soilless. It's only water and you can use nutrients and things to, to make your plants grow. But it was something just always in the back of my mind. And, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, okay, if I have time, I'll fit this in. But that was kind of the benefit of me being my own boss with ITA. I said I was going to make time, right? I'm going to really push this and really make change that I want to see. And after I that momentum was rolling for ITA and I could step aside a bit, I started with the hydroponics program. That was around February-ish. I am still an engineer at, at heart. So I went to the National Society of Black Engineers National Conference in March. It was held in Kansas City. And I happened to have met with a ton of old friends and met new ones, one being Paul here. And I was talking about the program of what I want to do and how I'm lining things up for when I go back home. And he was like, oh, I like hydroponics. That seems cool. And it really just kind of took off from there. Got it. So before we, we hit record, Paul, you were telling me you were electrician, then you did some IT work. Tell us a little bit about your background, your story, and how you got here today. Well, I'm actually from Brooklyn, New York, and um, born and raised, still live there, actually. So, and sorry, sorry to interrupt your story, but well, how about those Nets? So I'm actually not a Nets fan. Okay. I'm a Knicks fan because the Knicks are that's actually even, there. Paul, that's even worse. Yeah, but it's a loyalty <laughs> thing. because That's even worse. It is, but you know, I like to stay loyal to what was there first. Got it. The okay. Nets, the Nets actually came from New Jersey, and so yeah. that's something we stay away from. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry about the sidebar. It's but. okay. Born and raised in New York group. I still live there. And coming out of high school, I went to the Army, did my four years in the Army. And when I got out, I went to college, got my degree in business, and I realized I wasn't really working in the fields of business. I was just still working regular jobs, and I was like, you know what? What can I do to like make this transition? So I transitioned again and became an electrician, went through the whole process. My friend sent me to the school he went to, went through the whole process, became a licensed electrician. As I'm doing electrician work, I realized that um it wasn't beneficial long-term for me. I seen a guy that was younger than me. His joints on his hands was messed up. His joints on his elbows, his shoulders were messed up. So I was like, I need to figure out something that would give me more time give me more time to myself and still be made and make money to do whatever I want to do. And that's when I spoke to my cousin, who is a network engineer for Microsoft. And he put me onto a school called Perscolas, where I got my CompTIA A plus certification. And I guess after I went through the process of going into the IT field, my cousin was like, okay, 
come to Nesby. So he he signed up like it's, it was six of us. He signed up me and like five of my other cousins, and we all just shipped out to Kansas and um came to the conference. And I networked a lot. I learned a lot. And that's how I met Michelle and spoke about the hydroponics program. And I told you, yeah, I've been doing hydroponics for about a year. And we spoke and we got our details together. And I've been out here for a month now with, um, working with the program. Got it. So to help me understand that a little bit. So because mm-hmm. like typically people don't just stay places for a month. So mm-hmm. <laughs> so is that because you were just you're looking for the next thing or is that part of the program? No. Well, the program was four weeks. So I had to be out here for a month anyway. But I just understood that like this is something big and this is a growing like so the agriculture field is transitioning from soil to soilless. Every, a lot of things because soil just causes too much problems from pesticides, animals having to just the process of the time of to have your produce grow and things like of that nature. So especially if you want an organic, so that the field is switching over to make it easier, make it smaller gardens and be able to be more functional for everybody everywhere. Okay. Got it. So your paths cross Kansas City, you guys meet, he's doing hydroponics, you're interested in starting. So what happens next? You say, all right, let's do this together. Or <laughs> how did that whole thing come together? Yeah, well, I had a whole curriculum, really. I had reached out to my chapter. I'm on the board. Board of National Society of Black Engineers, Milwaukee Area Professionals, said I really think that this is a program that the local Nesby chapter should back. And, you know, my president and, you know, other members really supported me in that, which I appreciate. I also reached out to the Dominican Center, who is located in the Amani neighborhood, works a lot with Amani United, which is the community organization. And they said, hey, I think this is great as well. Let me know how we can help. And then at that point, I really just said, okay, let me nail down a solid curriculum. At this point, Paul did express his interest. And I was like, okay, I have something. It's four weeks. You know, I, I let him know the details, you know, and he's like, okay, I can help out. I'm, I'm willing to come. So I tried to make this time as enjoyable as possible mm-hmm. while he's been here. And, you know, we've been doing a lot with the program, vetting things around what went well, what can we kind of uh, pivot in the future and really looking forward to, okay, well, how can we make this bigger and better next year? And, and in addition, not just in Milwaukee, I'm piloting in the Amani neighborhood, but also what can we do in Brooklyn, which is having similar struggles as well that Milwaukee is having. And it doesn't need to be isolated to this city, right? Once we get something concrete, he'll be able to duplicate this there and help his community. Got it. So it's an annual program that last four weeks. Yes. And the, the idea is you guys are collaborating in hopes of bringing the program to Brooklyn and to other places. Yes. Got it. I'm mapping. Paul, tell me a little bit about it being in a city that a couple of years ago won the National Basketball Association Championship, being a Knicks fan and what that, that experience has been like. So the weird part about it is I'm a Giannis fan. Okay. So I've been a Giannis fan since about like 2014, 2015. I'm lying. I'm absolutely lying. I've been a Giannis fan since like 2017. So it's kind of weird, right? So being a Knicks fan, you have to have outside loyalty, right? Because we're not, we don't win. I was a Giannis fan after he had dunked over Tim Hardaway Jr. on, and on he was, when he was on the Knicks. And I seen, I was like, wow. And then he puts in the hard work and he, he's dedicated to the game. But being a Knicks fan is hard. But like I said, I'm a Knicks fan. So it was kind of bittersweet. It was, I was excited that they won the championship, but I wish it was the Knicks. Which every year we say we're going to win the championship, but it never works out. But I think now that we're on the topic, I think this is a big year for New York because we just 
just sidebar real quick. We just got Aaron Rodgers, who is from Green Bay, and a lot of the players from Green Bay, but we're not going to get into that. But yeah, it's, it shows the loyalty of a person like me. I'm just loyal. You know, I'm going to stick there through thin, thick and thin. Yeah, and I'm only teased, but in all seriousness, what the reoccurring thing that I'm hearing from both you and Michelle is adaptability, the ability to want to give back, to build, to collaborate. Those are all things that if the Knicks do better, then they, they will win. <laughs> They, they I see how it. I see how it always it, it keeps tracking back. But they will, they will win more games. Talk a little bit about the bringing the program to your hometown. It, look, I'll give you a quick quick story. My hometown is, is when I say I'm country. I mean no stoplights, one gas station, one grocery store, country, right? And so I get like how important it is to want to give back. Like when I go back to graduations and things like that. To your point, it looks the same. And for, you know, the first part of my career, it's like, well, why isn't anybody doing anything or why does it still look the same? And then you come to this realization that, no, what are you doing? And so it's really cool to see that you're taking that on and you're bringing it to your hometown. What are some of the challenges that you're facing in doing that? Right now, I know there's going to be some challenges, but right as of right now, so the process is in the beginning stages. So this is the pilot. So after this is done, we're going to, we're going to sit down. We're going to figure things out, like where we need to really target what areas of Brooklyn. And I also have another area to that now in mind too. What areas of are we going to really target in those areas? So we haven't really went through the process of the ups and downs yet, but I know New York is going to probably hand me a lot of problems that I'm going to have to deal with. But I mean, right. I was explaining another day, like we're engineers, like that's what we do is solve problems. So it's part of the job, I guess. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit. I heard you say going from soil to soil less. What's that mean? So using no soil at all, right? So if, if you're a soil gardener, you're planting something in the ground, there's a ton of work, even before you plant your initial seed, there's a ton of work that goes into preparing the soil, trying to find a good enough plot that doesn't have any type of contamination, putting different nutrients in the soil prior to planting, tealing it, trying to remove as many weeds. And that that's before you put a seed down, right? And so going through that process, like I said, since 2016 and doing it myself, it was hard to keep up with. And it was especially hard because right before COVID, I got sick and I had been renting some lots at the community gardens and I wasn't able to manage work and going to the garden after work to be able to do it all. And I had to let that go until I got better. But even with that, I recognized for myself eating organically again. I grew up with my grandparents, older siblings, aunts and uncles who garden. So I knew what organic tastes like. Those were our snacks instead of chips and, and things. And then this middle age where I can do whatever I want and buy whatever I want, my eating became crap. But I kind of circled back to I do want that taste again, right? Like the way that tomato tastes when I was able to pick it out of the garden myself. So being sick, I was a little disappointed that I was losing that after I had just reconnected with it, I would say. And I looked into some hydroponics. I actually went to a fundraiser with the Dominican Center and in a raffle, I won one. And when I won it, that was like, okay, you've been researching this thing for about a month now. Now you just happen to win it in a raffle. This is something you need to really get moving on. So 
the same kind of work we do in advance of soil. With soilish, you have your water, but you still need to add the nutrients to it. Quite a few things like potassium, magnesium, yeah, zinc. It's a ton of elements that you can add to it to make sure that your vegetables are growing well. And then it's really just doing different things to keep your algae down and cleaning it. Every time you have a harvest, make sure it's clean and you're starting fresh every time. And it's a lot faster. Like I, I eat a lot of microgreens, which has more nutrients in it than letting something grow to maturity, actually. So about how long does it take as opposed to going the soil route? It cuts it about half, like 50 percent. Cause it right in half. And that's that for everything? Like, does it matter what, if it's tomatoes or cucumbers, or does it depend on what type of crop it is? I haven't done too many around. I'm actually dabbling in like tomatoes and cucumbers and things this year. I typically do herbs and different types of lettuce. And that definitely cuts it in half for me, especially probably even more for me because I, I prefer to eat them as microgreens. But I am interested in seeing, I think for tomatoes, it's possibly about 14 weeks with soil. So I'm sure that would be closer to seven or eight. I just have to make sure my hydroponic at home is set up to be able to manage it. So what are some of the other advantages to hydroponics as opposed to the old fashioned way? Well, you definitely save more water, even though you are using hydroponics. And that's because the way a hydroponics system is set up is that it has an air stone in it, which causes the water to bubble and gives it oxygen and doesn't allow it to be stale. So that water could sit there and you could change that water every week. Now, right, if you have a garden, you're probably going outside every day or two to go water it. And like nobody sits there and goes, well, I'm going to water it for like 30 seconds or 20 seconds. They sit there and just water it. So you don't really know how much water you're wasting. And, and then it rains, right? You might water it and it rains the next day. So you really wasted water now because you could have just got the natural water that's coming from the sky. But It's um, about 10 times less water for your hydroponic yep. because of all of those reasons he's mentioning. So what are some of the hurdles or are there any regulatory or policy hurdles? Like, can anybody do this in their home or are they going to run into the city knocking on the door saying, hey, what are you growing in there? <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's fairly simple for anyone. And I think that's why we're targeting like middle school students, right? We take them through the entire curriculum around learning about agriculture, especially in Amani, which is predominantly a black neighborhood. So we want to teach them about black agriculturalists and STEM leaders in, in that area. Like a lot of them didn't know what Tuskegee was, right? And that was a major place for us from an agricultural standpoint in our history. But, you know, we take them through that, take them through a basic botany of learning different stages of plants. You know, another thing to mention is that it's not, our plants aren't prone to disease as they would if they were in soil. So understanding what healthy leaves look like, how to prune them, and then, you know, te teaching them what pruning and cloning is so that they can continue to grow. And then lastly, teaching them the STEM behind it, right? Like I can't let them go off and do it without learning the science behind it. I, I will always be an engineer at heart. So we broke down hydroponic components and teaching them, for example, why do you need an air stone that water needs to irrigate, right? Like why, where does algae come from? How do you keep it low? How do you keep it clean? And they're going to build, by the end of the entire series, they're going to build their own mini hydroponic that they can take home with them and continue to build and continue to grow their tomatoes tomatoes or lettuce, peppers, so that they can experience it for themselves. Very cool. So talk about the tech a little bit more. I heard you say there's some STEM behind this whole process. Now, naturally, we don't have enough time during this show to get into all of the details, but 
Give us a little bit of the tech behind it. Well, not so much in like, so the one we are giving to the children, you know, is pretty basic. It's not really too much tech into it. But, you know, we have things like the Airstone. I know in bigger factories that have hydroponic systems, they go fully automated where that all the gardeners or the, I guess you would call them gardeners, the people that work in there, they're just there to jot down notes because everything, the water is automated. The feeding is already entered into the water that it sits in. Even in some factories, they have the motion. So like when you want to switch the plant out of water and switch it to into like a, a different pot to read, like after you clone it and you got a new one, they even have it automated to where it slides it over here, takes it out, put it in there and it, everything is just automated. And that's, and sensors are another stem behind hydroponics. It's just, when you get to the bigger hydroponics system, it's just, everything just becomes more automated. Got it. You don't really have to touch anything. Mm-hmm. Everything is ran on the system. I heard you say you clone it. Yes. Cloning is just replanting a seed. So when it grows to a certain maturity, you can actually take the seed from it and start your whole process over again instead of buying seed. Okay. So this sounds amazing. (laughs) I know that the, that our community needs it. Why don't we have it? Why isn't this in every food desert in America? If it's faster, it saves time. It saves water, which saves energy. I don't see any disadvantages. Yeah. So why isn't it in every in every neighborhood? You know, I think that's the struggle, right? I think it's hydroponics are probably on that cusp of still being new enough that people are confused when you say it. And it's like you have to convince them of how good it is. But I think once people understand it, then it can be a part of a lot of different programs. It can be a part of a lot of these initiatives. So so just kind of going back to the... Milwaukee specifically, it has 13 food deserts or or food insecure zones where Amani is zone six. And what I'm trying to do is to give them that immediate access. When you take your hydroponic home, you, you don't have to plan to go to the store the next day or so. If you have a ripe tomato, it's literally in your living room or wherever you choose to put it. I think there just needs to be education and, and education in a lot of ways around what it is, what the benefits are, how easy it is, right? Because I think when you're introduced to something new, it sounds big and scary. And also that it doesn't imply a negative stigma on you, right? It doesn't mean that you're poor. I I remember hearing that before of even with me working, right? I I started back gardening, working for a large company in 2016. And people were like, why are you gardening? You have a good job. You can just go buy it. It's like, because this is healthy, right? It has more of a, a health component to it than having the money or not, right? And and I think that bit of embarrassment is there, even if people do know what it is. So that's why I say it's just education across the board. When when we have our very first week and we're talking about some of our pioneers in agriculture, the students really didn't know who they were, why they were important, the impact that they made. And not just in general, but like in Wisconsin, like we had large Black-owned farming communities in Milwaukee or in Wisconsin. We had large counties that were founded by black people. And it's it's just to explain to them that this isn't something far off that doesn't really exist or seems, you know, pulled out of the air. Like this is something that is a part of black history as anything else. Talk about the business side of it a little bit, Paul. Obviously, this is enterprise now. So we're business people. Do you think that is part of the hurdle is that business people haven't quite understood the opportunity? Because unfortunately, 
that's what drive, drives most things in the world when there's a financial benefit to it. Do you think that's part of the reason why it's not more universally adopted? Or I'm curious to hear what you think. I think so, because like you said, when people see other people doing stuff or when they see they put their money in the stuff, now everybody wants to do it. I think like Michelle said to add on to that, like it's on a cusp right now. Like it's really on a cusp of like tomorrow somebody could put some big money into hydroponics and this thing could blow up. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that is one of the things like people just aren't putting money behind it yet because they're like a lot of things in this world. We're still stuck on the old stuff mm-hmm. instead of like looking ahead and saying, you know what? This right here is what we need. And to also add to what she said is like, if you watch the news, you can even see that like they're destroying all these crop fields. Like all of these fields are being destroyed. So at some point in time, things might run out. And why wouldn't you want to have the knowledge to be able to grow your own stuff, right? And I have to rely on what's the shortest at this point in time. We can't offer that right now. We remember when the tomatoes were like Mm -hmm. 50 cents to a dollar to add to a burger. I remember that. (laughs) Like lettuce right now in New York City is like $6 a head. So it's like, wow, whoa, I could grow this. Hold the lettuce. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a lot. So if I could grow this in my house, I'm keeping my six dollars. Yeah. So right now, is there an infrastructure for, for this though? Because like, if you think the traditional methodology, right, the farmers they grow the stuff and they sell it to the wholesalers and they sell it to the retailers and all, is there an infrastructure for hydroponics or is that something that's still being developed? I think it's something that's still being developed because the thing about a food insecure zone is that the closest grocery store, right, and, and that's what, what you just described leads to the grocery store. The closest grocery store isn't within, I think it's 10 minute walking distance from a point within that space, right? So what are we going to do or what what do we have to put a grocery store there? That takes a lot more capital. That takes a lot more probably displacement of people to make that space large enough. And I think if people really looked at it to say the, the problem is people don't have access to fresh food. We don't have access to organic food, right? If we go with what we know and be in the grocery stores and things, here's all the damage we need to do first before we can rebuild. However, if we're educating people about urban gardening and hydroponics, here's how we can put the grocery store, in a sense, in someone's home, right? That's, you can't get any more immediate access than your own living room. And I think there's space for that because, you know, who wants to disrupt their city with that displacement to try to build a new grocery store? Mm-hmm. So I have, there are two humans that live with me. One of them, I think she she eats a lot. If I wanted to have this in my home to take care of the fresh veggies and stuff, like how big, how much space would I need to have in oh, order to accommodate the little people that live with me, but they don't support, they don't add, they, they, don't, they don't work. <laughs> they have no contribution. They don't, they don't <laughs> contribute to the household they take from it yes they do so how much how much space what i need and what kind of things should what i need to have if i wanted to have this in my home it depends because i have four and and when you say four mm -hmm. are you talking are they like slabs or are they buckets are they what is what they are like one is kind of a slab i would say it's about 14 inches long okay so that's kind of easy to slide it anywhere Mm -hmm. i have two more that are about 14 by 12 and those are fairly automated that holds eight plants each the other one depending on if you care how close they are if you're growing all the same crop it doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. that can hold easily 20 or 10 on each side and then i have a fairly 
fairly large one that holds, I think, 24 pots. And that stands about three feet tall, mm-hmm. I think. And that's the one that I'm going to put my tomatoes in so that it has space to grow upward. But all of four of those are in my dining room okay. and just kind of against the wall and out of the way. Okay. So it doesn't take much space. You just kind of need some tabletop. The other problem that I have, and I'll, I'll talk to you directly, Paul, is plants stand no chance in my house. My wife... <laughs> Kills cactuses. Mm. <laughs> she can't kill. So, yeah. So, to answer that, right? So, it's very hard to kill a um, hydroponic plant. I mean, she's really good. Like, <laughs> cactuses, you know, cactuses, you they don't live, have to yeah, water they, them. Yeah, they live in the desert. You don't have to. So, hydroponics, <laughs> with a hydroponic system, right? Because your roots will be sitting in the water constantly, she won't have the ability to even kill them. And she will have to take the water out of the bucket or out of the hydroponic system for it to die. Yeah, okay. let so, it completely drain yeah, out. Let it completely drain out. Because what happens is, is like, you have your seed, you germinate your seed. The germination process basically is to basically like speed up the seed's sprouting process. So you, when you germinate, you want it to basically after the germination process, you want it to, it's like a little vein or like a leg come out and you put that in like a sponge and you put the sponge in like a, a plant pot, mm-hmm. put the plant pot. And once you put the plant pot in, the plant pot sits in the bucket, like sits in the water and then the roots just grow into, it just grows right into the water. So yeah, she would just have to completely detach it from the water. For drain, that to have it, to it, take it out, drain it the water for it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So can this be done outside or does it need to be done inside? It can be done outside, but I, th- I think that somewhat defeats the purpose and it might, it might overstimulate your plant with the lights. So the sunlight, you only need half as much sunlight just due to the intensity, right? So you'll have to move it a lot to keep it from burning. Rather, with the LED, you can time it to say, okay, I only need it for 12 or 13 hours and it'll cut itself off. So you're not overwhelming the plant with it. But it is possible to do it outside. You'll just need to make a couple of tweaks. So how does the money work, though, for you guys? So obviously you're doing it because you want to give back. You want people to have access to healthy food and you want to bring it to Brooklyn. So people were not in food deserts. How do we make money? Because at early in my career, this was difficult for me because my heart is to always give and to help. But then I had a mentor tell me the one of the best ways you can give is to be successful so that you can support and throw capital because money makes Absolutely. things go. So my question to you guys is, is this something that would rely on funding from outside sources? Is there a, a business model that you can share? Um, obviously, we don't want you to give away any <laughs> any trade secrets, but I'm curious to know as you guys are building this out. How are we going to make money with this? Yeah, so I, I'm, that's some homework that I'm working on right now, actually. And when I'm thinking about officially making it, whether it's a nonprofit or for profit, identifying which type of customer I would want. Because, of course, if I'm going to a neighborhood like Amani, which is like 55% impoverished, they can't pay for this. So my customer would need to also have a shared interest in Amani and, you know, neighborhoods like Amani, whether it's Milwaukee or in Brooklyn. So I have kind of a short list that I'm going to start working on, reaching out to and connecting with to see how that partnership can develop. And then otherwise, I do have the idea around, you know, if it's not for profit, then 
understanding grants who also is passionate about this that would allow for a full grant, especially an unrestricted grant, so that the people that are in the organization can also have salaries, right? I Salaries are good. Salaries are awesome. And I feel like I've kind of been a broken record. Probably he's heard me say this a million times. Like, I have to be able to pay my people. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I appreciate everyone who has stepped in and helped me, you know, really push this vision forward. But if I can't pay my people, how long is this really going to live? Yeah. Um, and you have to eat, too. Absolutely. So, absolutely. I, yeah. I have to eat, too. Yeah. I, even with my four hydroponics. Yeah. So I have to make sure that now that I've seen it and I've got it off off of paper and I've piloted and I've I've seen how the children respond to it, you know, what are my next steps and in, in really outlining that because the hard part about that too or the, the challenge that I've I've been brainstorming is that whatever I come up with, it has to work for Brooklyn when I when I say, okay, let's let's do this now. It can't just be a niche market from Milwaukee because I want this to go to Brooklyn and wherever else, right? This can grow to be something really great. Yeah. So, Paul, I'm curious to, to know for you. So you're at the tail end of the program. You're headed back to Brooklyn for another disappointing season. <laughs> and you have, you're armed with this new knowledge, these new connections. In the next year, what's, what's next? So in the next year, hopefully we, um, have a second successful hydroponics program happening in under Mattel and myself and getting the knowledge or giving the knowledge to the kids in a way that, you know, they could take it home and just hit the ground running. That's basically what I see in the next year. And yeah. Okay, cool, cool. How about you? Next year, what's on the horizon? Yeah, next year, really hoping for another positive pilot in New York, hoping that I have enough partnerships that I've built throughout this fall and, and winter. I, I was saying like, this is now goal time. Like, I, right. Like now I have to do a lot of extra work, figure out a lot of the gaps that I did identify. But, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, summer 2023 will be the end of it. This has longevity and is definitely needed. So I, I got my work ahead of me. Cool, cool. Before we go, Paul, I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about your podcast. And the, the reason I wanted to talk about that is because as I'm doing more and more business ventures and partnerships and things like that, generally the, the third, the second, third, fourth conversation is business model. How are we going to make this thing work? Where's this funding? Who are partners? What's the supply chain? Who's up, down, side, and all throughout? So talk a little bit about your, your podcast and specifically the theme and kind of the, the under, the undercurrent behind the show. Okay. So I actually had started a podcast thing during the pandemic where I was just talking about like, what I wanted to really focus on was like getting behind the scenes of like, I guess like the music industry. And I realized like, I didn't want to specifically just only do the music industry. I just want to do the entertainment industry as a whole. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to give a story behind, right? Because what we see is what the artists, what they put on the TV. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to also have people understand that they're humans just like we are. And they have a story behind just the person you see on the stage mm -hmm. or the person you see in the court or the person you see on the field. And I want people to understand, especially coming from a sports background where like, Grant, I wasn't at the NBA or anything, but especially coming from a sports background where it's like, okay, we're just looked at as one way. What other ways can we stand out besides just being this? You know what I'm saying? And I think that's what it really leads to. I want to showcase people. I want people to understand that people are people. 
we're all people and we nobody's better than nobody. Mm-hmm. And we all can work through this together and also bring a light to that. Like, even though the media might put this person up here, just know that they're just like you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think the underlining of it really is just to bring connection to people. Yeah. And, and that's important, too, because because like I said, if we could help shift people's mindset, the way they think about things, a lot of the work is done. Right. Because if you're looking at sports and if you take music, for example, right, hip hop is 50 this year. And if you look at this is a genre that was created by us, but we didn't build a business. We didn't understand how to build an how how to enterprise. And, and same thing with this is like, OK, this is a technology. It's here. It's it's valuable. Can we build a business? Can we build an infrastructure to support it? And so when you say sports and entertainment, that's the thing that comes to my mind is like if we could get people to think in terms of building. Right. Because running a business and building it are not the same thing. Definitely not. Starting one and buying one. <laughs> not the same. Like yeah. these are different skill sets. And I, 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 I feel like a different street preacher love when, I, it, when you start a business than from when you buy a business. Exactly. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. a different it's a different approach. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you're buying a business, for example, it's already cash flowing. It already has a culture. It already has a leadership. It already has all the stuff. You have to put no groundwork in. Right. But when you're building it, you have to establish the culture. You have to establish like, all the things. So I'm curious to see how that materializes in terms of how you're able to break down the behind the scenes. Like I heard you mention it before we hit record. Not that I was spying on you guys or anything. How you see uh, so-and-so is going to make $40 million this year. But you can just split that in half off off tops mm-hmm. because all that's gone. Like the taxes and all. And so you began to really understand, okay, the business behind it. And another example, this Air Jordan movie that just oh, came out. Yeah. And talking about how movie. do you take a commodity? Like you could literally make a shoe for two bucks, right? But people buy them for hundreds of dollars because of the brand and the business that they build. So I'm always harping, which is why I named the show Enterprise Now. We have to understand how to enterprise. So I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> Mateos, talk a little bit about us. What's a project that that we didn't talk about that you want people to know about? I think these like this and ITA is all I can manage at this point. Both are in very early stages. I am appreciating like the hydroponics pilot went very well, wrapping up well, but it was nice for me to do it and accept all the mess that came with it so that I can know how to improve. That's why I say like going forward, like this is the time that I'm going to put in a lot of work. And similarly with ITA, like I said, my website is going to be functional and launching and just taking everything from my social media presence and really going out there and helping people understand the the possibility of being able to work and live abroad without jeopardizing your income or needing to really live far below your means. Or like I remember one time when I did it, it was in between jobs where I just said, okay, I'm going to take this time and live there and then move back and start looking again. Right. And everything doesn't have to be one or the other. And maybe this is just point in my life where I'm like, no, I'm not going to choose. I want both. But doing that and I want other people to do it. So I want to give to my community and I want to be an amazing CEO for ITA. Mm -hmm. And I believe you can do it. Why not? 
Yeah. Definitely. Why not? Yeah. So if people want to reach out to you, learn more about what you're doing or to just say hi, how can they do that? Yeah. So for hydroponics and for ITA, you can email me at hello at internationaltraveladvisor.com. We have social media for both hydroponics is MKE Hydroponics 23 on TikTok. And then for ITA, we have Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everything is International Travel Advisor. Cool, cool. Uh, Mr. Paul, how can people reach out? So for right now, if you have any questions about or anything about the podcast, you can just reach me on my Instagram, Nino underscore Elite. And then for hydroponics, same TikTok and everything. Um, the same information. Cool, cool. Well, thank you both for your time. I appreciate the work that you've been doing. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it grow. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in, for your time and your attention. Uh, we'll talk with you next time. If you got value from today's show, we want you to join the Enterprises Elite email list for more nuggets and resources. And remember, no excuses, just execution. Go get it. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email, mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.